15 minutes ago, the world changed. Companies are microchipping their workers. Robots are hiring humans. And brain-to-brain -brain communication is a thing. This is all happening now. If you want to know what happens next, listen to the Jim Stroud Podcast. Over the past, let's call it three months, six months? I don't know. I don't keep time very well. I'm mostly goldfish at this point. Uh, I have been asked or heard or been in conversations where someone who I thought was very, very smart employer brand, who I thought was incredibly capable, said something to the effect of, I just hired someone to help me out in this spot. I really wish I had a way of kind of getting them up to speed on employer brand. What does it really mean and what does it, you know, how does it work? Is there a book? Is there a series of articles or a series of podcasts? Hi, how you doing? Um, about how to get them, get them up to speed fast. And really, there's not a good one. As I wait for my own book <laughs> to come back from the publishers to see if my quote-unquote rough draft, exactly how rough is that rough draft exactly and how scared do I need to be, we'll find out, won't we? But I thought, you know, hey, this would be a great time. We're episode 150. No one ever thought, certainly not me, ever thought we'd get this far. So here we are. Let's kind of put a flag in the sand and flag in the dirt and say, hey, this is what employer brand 101 is. So this is the episode, regardless of how long or short this is, I have no idea what this will be. This is the episode you hand someone and say, this is what you need to know. This is how to begin your journey into employer brand. And whether you're coming from the recruiting side or the marketing side is immaterial. This is how employer branders see the world, think about the world, think about the problem, what they do, what makes them different, all that good stuff. It is the foundation upon which every single tactic you can think of under the sun can be applied. So that's what we're going to talk about. You ready? Here we go. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the world's most caffeinated employer brand podcast. I'm your host, James Ellis, and I've been doing employer brand for years now, and I absolutely love the industry. I love how it's growing. I love how it's changing. And I've tried to do my part to elevate the concept, to get everybody to understand the power employer brand can have in hiring, attracting, and retaining talent. So we try to really focus on driving home the idea that this is a calling and a craft. It's a lot of getting your hands dirty, but it's also a lot of big strategic thinking. And that's where we kind of live, that kind of uh, Venn diagram, the intersection between those the big ideas and the getting the details right. So we talk a lot about employer brand and how to do it right and how to think about it and how to look at your problems in a whole new way. Ready to rock? One, two, three, let's go. Hey, how you doing, James Ellis? Uh, very little in the way of housekeeping other than I've got this newsletter. I keep updating it. We're up to 700 and some number of subscribers now, which is amazing. So go ahead and subscribe. Just go to employerbrand.news and it's right there. It's weekly. It's free. It's no pitch. It's all that good stuff. It helps you keep you smart if you can't listen to the podcast every week, assuming the podcast makes you smarter. We'll see. Who's to say? Certainly not I. That's really most of it. That's really all the housekeeping. I'm waiting to hear for some speaking dates, and as soon as I know, I'll let you know. I think I'm kind of pulling back on some of these things just to kind of say, okay, I need to focus on some stuff. I got a lot of stuff going on, the podcast, the newsletter, the day job, all, you know, talking about employer brand for Universum, talking about employer brand for the podcast, all that stuff, all well and good. I got to figure out where I need to put my time very specifically. So 2020 is going to be that focus, so we'll see how things go. Anyway, that was sound effects. Anyway. So employer brand 101. So let's go ahead and set the stage, the use case for this kind of podcast. And this isn't the only use case for this episode, but certainly is the one I'm keeping in mind as I record this. So 
and like I said, this has happened numerous times where a great employer brand person, I could name names, I will not, but they're doing great and they're hiring someone. They're bringing somebody on board. They're bringing someone to step up their game and, and kind of move to the next level. And that's great. Except that person is not a quote unquote employer brander. And let's be fair, especially in the States, employer branding is still a fairly new, nascent kind of functionality, function, department, whatever you want to call it. And it's hard to kind of figure out how to describe it. And if you've only got a job description or job posting to kind of say, this is what the job is, it still lacks a lot, right? It's very, are those usually pretty task-driven? Hey, we want you to write a lot of ads. Or, hey, we want you to write a lot of job postings. Or, hey, we want you to manage content. Or, hey, we want you to own the brand. Or any number of variations therein. But there's not a lot of this is what the job is. No one has to explain what a salesperson does. Everybody knows a salesperson's job is to go out and grab as much cash as they can and bring it back to the company. Nobody needs to know or ask the question of what a developer does. If you're a developer, you all you know what developers do. They make code. They make products. They design processes. They implement architecture, yada, yada, yada. Everybody knows what HR does, right? It's employer brand still very fuzzy, even in companies that have been doing it pretty darn well. It's still just kind of that gap between what recruiting does and what marketing does and what comms does and what HR kind of does sort of in the middle there kind of maybe sort of if you squint real hard. So yeah, let's define it. So obviously we've talked about what employer brand is. An employer brand is the aggregation of what individuals think, what it's like to work at your company based on all sorts of touch points and experiences, many of which have nothing to do with recruiting. They like your product, you're going to have a great little halo effect. And I made fun of the halo effect earlier on LinkedIn this week, and I wasn't making fun of it. I'm just saying it can't be the whole employer brand. You can't just say, we have a great product, therefore we have a great employer brand. That's not really how that works. But if you've got a great product, good Lord, use that halo. It, <laughs> far be it for me to say, to do gatekeeping and say, oh no, you can't use that part of the brand. It's not cool. One, who am I to judge cool? But two, you should be using everything. I'm, a, I'm like the, the Native American brander. I want to use all the parts of the buffalo. I want to use all the things I have access to, and I'm going to use them all. I don't care what they are. If I have them, I'm going to find a way to use them. So if you're coming in and you're saying, well, we need somebody to understand the, the, the mindset, the perspective, the, 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 the philosophy around employer brand, let's get started. So whether they're coming from marketing or whether they're coming from recruiting, there is a gap. If they're coming from marketing, their mindset is more is always better. It's just how it is. This is not a, a judgment and not saying marketing's bad or dumb because it's not. They're doing a job and their job is to say, go get more eyeballs, go get more people, go get more leads, go get more customers, go get more. And I don't care. I do not care how exclusive your product is. If someone's going to cut you a check, there's no company in the world that says, yeah, I'm not going to take your money. Nope. More is always better. And that's how marketing perceives things. They want more reach. They want more brand sentiment. They want more, more, more. Good for them. And that's good for them. It's just not quite what we do. If you're coming from the recruitment side, it's kind of like coming from sales. It's kind of like a salesperson trying to be a marketer. It's a different brain, right? Their job is to build relationships. They're not usually all that process driven. They're not usually very big picture driven. Their job is to create a connection in the moment, in the 30 minutes they're on the phone with you, get a good sense of you, evaluate you, kind of sort you into buckets, figure out what you're good at, figure out what you're not good at, kind of get a guess as to whether or not you'll be good fit for whatever this role is. So your job is really about having good relationships with a hiring manager, having good relationships with your candidates, having good job uh, relationships with your boss. It's a relationship-driven job. Those two things, there's a gap in between, and that's where employer brand lives. And this is what the gap looks like. The gap looks like this. 
It is, how do you take a marketing mentality of seeing a big strategic picture, having a message, putting it out there, it connects with people, then moves them to some sort of action. In your case, you want them to learn more about your company. Not, 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 he says a third time, not to get applications. If your job is to focus on applications, you're, you might as well send out direct mail. Just, just, it doesn't work that way. Your job is not to get uh, applications because anybody who would see an ad or see a piece of information go, yeah, I want to apply, they're not worth hiring anyway. You want the people who want to learn more, people who make informed choices, they want to inform themselves, they want to learn more about what it's like to work there, they want to see it from multiple perspectives, they want to feel like what they see in one instance, in one story, in one narrative is validated across multiple channels. They want to know that what they're getting makes sense. Think of it like you're buying a, a whatever, a handbag, a car, it doesn't matter. If you see a review on Amazon and it says, this thing um, is too heavy, okay, that's for a bag, that can be a problem. However, it's a bag made of leather, it's designed to be super, super rugged, it's not about, you're not there for the weight and the lightness, you're there for the ruggedness, maybe you're there for the look. Knowing that it's a fairly hefty bag, that it is not going to be light as a feather, is good to know, but it won't necessarily dissuade you from buying the bag. If he says, uh, this bag sucks, and doesn't say why, you'll go, oh, I wonder why. If they forget to say it's because it's too heavy, and you go, okay, well, I'm not as concerned about heavy, but then you see that it's a really heavy bag, 17 other places, you go, okay, even if I want this, I have to bear in mind that this is a bag that's super heavy. Do I still want this bag? Right? You're getting validation. One person's opinion, yeah, yeah, sure. Seeing it lots of different ways from lots of different people, and this must be a thing, I should consider it, right? That's kind of how that process has to be. People are going to get interested, but then they're going to validate which means there's a multi-channel strategy we're gonna tap into in just a second. From the recruiting side, you have to think bigger. Yes, you, I would love for every employer brander to think about relationships, but that's not what they're doing. Their heads are not there to make create relationships with all those candidates. If they have a relationship part of the brain, and I'm betting they do, it's focused internally to stakeholders, hiring managers, leadership, people in the company who can help them kind of produce content, can launch things, stuff like that. You want to build relationships internally. You want to build allies and cheerleaders internally. That's where that skill set goes. But the rest of it is thinking about the big picture. Do you want everybody to want to work there? No. Who should work there? Why would they want to work there? For every claim you're putting out there, understanding that it's a there's an opportunity cost for what that claim is. Saying you're all about innovation, you're probably dissuading people who think stability is the most important thing, right? They're fairly, if not completely, or always mutually exclusively, they're not completely uh, opposites, but they're not far off. It's hard to think of a very in innovative company that's also super, super stable, right? That where you can expect to work a rough number of hour days every single day, that you're going to be there for a very long time. Innovative suggests a measure of change, a measure of risk, a measure of trying new things, and that doesn't suggest stability. Like I said, there's probably a slight overlap if you can thread that needle, but most companies wouldn't do that. As an employer brander, your job is to understand why anyone would want to work in your company. And that means understanding positioning, understanding some of the messaging, understanding who the people are you should be reaching, understanding who they are, what they are, what they're all about, where they go, what they want to learn, all that sort of thing. And we can dive into that a little deeper in a minute. And then figuring out how to, two things, one, put all those messages out in the world 
that kind of hook those right kind of people, but also to evaluate as much of the internal ecosystem as you can to ensure the val validation process happens. You put a great message out there that says, we're the best paying company in the world. There's a measure of people who go, wow, cool, I want to apply for there maybe. But they're going to go to a rating site or Google something or find somebody on LinkedIn who works there and say, hey, is this really the best paying place you've ever worked? And they're going to say, no, guess what? Your message of we're the best playing, paying place in the world is now not only worthless, it's worse than worthless. You've now lied to them in their eyes. And that means you've got a hole to dig yourself out of, right? Employer brand 101 is about seeing those three under those three kind of principles. Who is the audience we're trying to reach in the aggregate? Not who's the person, but the people, the kinds of people. How does one slice and dice what we mean by kinds of people? One would hope you don't mean all men or all women, but maybe you do, and maybe there's a reason for that. One would hope you wouldn't focus on, we need all lawyers, but some companies need mostly lawyers, and I get that, so it's going to drive process conversation. But really, you're talking about what is the level on which that we talk about our kinds of people? Not in a weird race, racial focus, but really in about, look, people like us. When we say people like us, we mean people who like risk, people who don't like risk. People who like status, people who are not as driven by status. People who like leadership, people who don't like strong leadership. People who want lots of opportunity, people who like to be given rules and process. There's lots of different ways to slice and dice that, right? And when you do it right, when you pick the attributes and traits that drive the people inside your company, you are allowing yourself to open everybody's eyes a bit, to say, look, this is what we're all about. Sure, we sell shoes, but what it's like to work here is da 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 We're innovative, we're st uh, status-driven, we're opportunity-driven. What are we driven by, right? That's the thing we're all about. This does not mean your shoes are good or bad, but however, if your product's good, again, the halo effect, if your product's bad, Negative halo effect, <laughs> let's be realistic. So once you understand what the audience is and what they want, if you can learn how to kind of draw the circle around the kinds of people who would be really, really happy at your company, meaning they want what your company naturally rewards, and I slowed down there because I think that's key and I feel like we're not always wrapping our heads around this idea, but they want what our company is naturally rewarding. Some companies absolutely reward high performance. Great. They should want to be rewarded for performance. That should be the kind of person you want. Some companies reward teamwork. Great. The person you should hire and the person looking at that should say, I'm a team player first and foremost. I want to work at a place where I'm going to be rewarded for that level of team, even if my individual achievement is not obviously amazing, right? What you reward is who, you sh is who you're going to attract. So that's the whole audience focus. The second focus is what about that audience can you learn in a given you know, role or position or level that you can help you understand, ah, this kind of person will be very likely to have a very short uh, journey, right? They're going to see the job posting and they're going to hit apply. That's the shortest possible journey, right? <laughs> Or are they someone who's going to have a long journey? They're going to see the job posting. They're going to uh, ignore it for a month. They're going to come back and see it. They're going to wait till someone suggests it to them directly, say, you should apply for this job. And they go, okay, maybe I'll go learn about it. Maybe I'll look at the rating sites. Maybe I'll Google it a couple of times. Maybe I'll go read some websites. Maybe I'll read some news. Maybe I'll go see if I know anybody. They're going to do the dance. They're going to do the full journey. If you know 98% of your audience that you're talking to is going to be a, I like that job, click a button. 
Your job is much, much easier. It just means that you should probably be focusing on the places where the touch points that you have direct control over, or at least in direct influence over, should be first and foremost. And that is, in this case, the job posting. Most of you, in that, for that person, most of employer brand is encapsulated in the job posting. Now there's some work to be done in a candidate experience and before they decide they see the logo and they go, cool, I wanna work there. But for the most part, their impact happens at the job posting. However, that's not most companies. <laughs> it really isn't. Most companies, they're going to talk to people who will have experience and skill set, who can be selective, who are going to do a lot of due diligence and do a lot of research on that company before they decide to apply. And however they apply, whether it's through the actual application process or doing you know, the whole, I'm going to pick up the phone and call the recruiter and try and talk my way into having a conversation. Just as valid. So if you know that they're doing this whole dance where they're going to all these sites to learn about you, then your focus needs to be split among all those sites. And no one site is more or less important than the others. It's kind of like a very long meal that was an incredible meal and they hand you dessert and in the dessert, there's on the ice cream little scoop of uh, Tahitian vanilla ice cream. It's gorgeous. It's going to be lovely. And there's a dead fly on the top. You're like, ooh, just what? That one little tiny fly on the top of my dessert destroyed the entire experience of that entire expensive, very long uh, dinner. Right? So you can't say, ah, rating site's more important than Google. Because if they get good information on the rating sites because you focused on that, but then they go to Google and they find the fly on the ice cream, guess what? They don't care about the rating sites. You have to make sure that what the candidate or prospect is hearing on all of those things is not the same, but certainly aligned around a few core ideas. Meaning, if you're all about innovation, but your ATS sucks, guess what? Are you really about innovation? No, you're about innovation when it suits you. You're about innovation when it's easy. You're about innovation for the customers, but not for internal candidates, right? Or not for internal people, not for the candidates. That's a different conversation. But if you say you're about innovation, the levels and ways you discuss innovation it's exponential in the way you can kind of reach out to that, the ways you can talk about it. The legal team can be innovative. The sales team can be innovative. The developer team can be innovative. The HR team can be innovative. Everybody can be innovative in their own kind of way, and they're going to tell their own stories around innovation, and the gist of it will be suddenly the person goes, gosh, everybody in this company is super innovative. They claim to be very innovative and focusing on rewarding innovation. Guess what I think they are? They must be all about innovation. And if I am all about innovation too, I want to work there. See how that works? So you can't focus on just a few pieces. You have to focus on a lot of pieces. And this is where employer branding gets complicated because it's a lot more like consumer branding. It's not direct marketing. It's not about how do I get someone to click a button. It's not about, um, I'm going to put a Google ad word that says, if you want to buy a bag, click here. We have bags. Click. Done. That's very transactional. Employer brand is the opposite of transactional. It's deeply strategic, which means it's going to say, what message, what seeds can I plant here at the top of the funnel that will sprout farther down the line? So if I say, here's some good ideas of what this company could be about, and they go, cool, I want to learn more, they start to validate some of those ideas, or those ideas get shaded and colored and fleshed out in a way they go, oh, when they mean stability, this is what they mean about stability. Got it. This is how they perceive stability. Not about boring, but about having a good sense of the longi longitudinal longi longevity of the blah, 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 right? There's lots of different ways to think about innovation or status or leadership or development or stability, right? 
what you're doing is you're fleshing it out so that someone really has a good sense of what that means. What they want when they're clicking a button not to buy a bag or to buy a car, but is to change their life. And I think that is one of the key elements in employer brand that we don't take into consideration. Most people who purchase something are not making a life-changing purchase, with the exception of perhaps uh, a college, perhaps a house, uh, maybe one or two other, other things that you would put in that same bucket for the most part, they're not life-changing. Even in enterprise sales, B2B enterprise sales, where the checks are massive, they're seven figures, it's not like the person making the deal has having their life changed. The procurement officer is not saying, well, if, uh, if I say yes to this, I have to change my life because it's either a good or bad sale. No, they spread the blame across 7,000 other people and it doesn't really stick. This is the place where you are dealing with life-changing choices. And so you need to approach it as such. You need to understand that these choices are important and therefore they're going to do a lot of due diligence for the most part. And you need to seed all that stuff all the way around. And it all has to align. If you try and tell 10 different messages, everybody's going to go, I don't understand what this company is. I don't understand why I'd work there. I don't understand how it's different. If it says very much like we talked about last week, if it's all about making an impact, uh, what do you mean by impact? You just say impact. Great, but what does that mean? And every other company says it too. So you know what? You keep beating on this boring drum. I'm going to walk away. Or you say impact, but you also say teamwork. And you also say status. And you also say performance. I don't see how these ideas come together. I don't see how these ideas are aligned or connected so that I'm getting a, a clear sense of what it's like to work at this company. And if I don't have a clear sense, I'm walking away because I have that choice. Because in this market, every candidate has lots of choices, or you should assume that they do because that's better for you. So that's the mindset of employer brand, understanding the audience, making sure they have an entire journey, both before they're interested in the company, before they're interested in applying, and after they apply, what's the candidate experience. Just see the entire vision. In a lot of ways, you can describe an employer brand person like this. They're the person who is paid to put down the straw through which most of the world looks at the world. A recruiter looks through a tiny little drinking straw to look at, is this candidate good? Yes or no. Is this candidate good? Yes or no. Is this candidate good? Yes or no. A developer looks through the world that says, is this innovation smart? Is this piece of code work? Does this? They're very, very, very focused. There are very few roles that you're expected to say, I'm putting that straw down and seeing the biggest possible picture. For the most part, when you see people like that in a company, they're very high up. They're very high up. They're C-suites, they're vice presidents, they're senior vice presidents. They're people who are driving large swaths of the business. They're making strategic decisions about the business. A individual salesperson may be strategic, but in the service of how do I make the sale? How do I drive a little more demand for my sales? How do I move the needle here? They're not, they're strategic, but only on the tiniest micro scale. Your job is to think like a senior vice president or a C-suiter and say, what is the big picture? How do I make this company look attractive to a certain kind of person? And there's no one answer. You can't look through a straw and say, ah, it's review sites. Ah, it's microsites. Ah, we'll make a video. It's all those things because it's none of those things. Yes, you can use all those things to drive the, the solution you want to provide or the strategy you want to provide, but you have to step back and make a strategy first. That's why people who say, Look, anybody selling you employer brand who says, I'm going to define employer brand for you and it's, I'm going to define it through the lens of my product. 
Glassdoor has made a lot of money doing exactly this. They've changed their model a little bit lately, but I know that when they launched, they were all about, you have an employer brand problem, Glassdoor solves the employer brand problem. No. (laughs) No. If your employer brand problem is a sentiment problem and people are wanting to learn about what it's like where you work and they can't find much information and what information they find is on Glassdoor, then yes, Glassdoor will deeply impact people's sense of your employer brand. It is a solution to your employer brand problem, but it's certainly not the solution to your employer brand problem. In fact, that kind of situation, that context is unusual. Frankly, if it turns out everybody wants to learn about your company and they can't find that information, yes, you could put that information and respond to things on Glassdoor. You could also do it a million ways. Put more content on your career site. Make sure it's SEOable. Put some more videos out there. Make sure they're on YouTube and other sites. And make sure, again, you've got lots of keywords so that people can find you. Go to Quora. People say, oh, what's it like to work at blah, blah, blah. Answer those questions and then link to your videos. There's lots of other ways to get people who are interested in learning about your company to see your information. Glassdoor is not the only way to do that. It is a way of doing that. Now, if you think your job is to manage Glassdoor, you're seeing the world through that drinking straw, and that drinking straw is called Glassdoor. You're solving Glassdoor problems. We've talked about this idea. To a person with a hammer, every problem looks like a nail, right? If you think your problem is, if you if you only allowed to manage Glassdoor, you think all your problems can be solved with Glassdoor. You go, okay, employer brand has to be solved with Glassdoor, and sentiment, and retention, and, and, and. And that's not quite true. Yes, again, they can be influenced by Glassdoor just like they can be influenced by LinkedIn and content and videos and career sites and advocacy and referrals and, 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 and. But there's no checklist I could hand a new brand new employer brand a person and say, here's what you do. You just keep an eye on all these things because that checklist will inherently be imperfect. It will inherently be missing things and it won't have the ability to sort it say, look, in your context where everybody knows that working in your company is hard, these are the things you should focus on. However, in your context where everybody, no one knows who you, who you are and what you do, these are the problems you should be solving and these are the ways you solve them. You have lots of tools at your disposal. It's up to you to have the big picture mindset to say, how do I solve problems, usually with limited resources, in such a way that they not only solve this problem, but they have a knock-on effect, that the solution tends to trickle down to solving some of my other problems. That's how a good strategic employer brander sees the problem, and that's how they approach problems. And if you can get your head around that, you have the opportunity to be opportunity to be a great employer brand professional, a practitioner, if you were. It's just as important to get leadership to buy into the concept of employer brand as it is to ensure that whoever is writing the glass door responses, chances are it's you, is aligning to a big picture idea. Now, here's where the fun happens. If you're lucky enough, and I I mean lucky semi-sarcastically, if you are lucky enough to be the one-person wrecking crew who is the employer brand team, that is both a blessing and a curse. Now, it's a curse, obviously, because I just listed 20 things you could be doing, and frankly, if you had five people, you would be doing all of them. Because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you put video out there? Why wouldn't you work on your uh, your advocacy? Why wouldn't you work on your social? Why wouldn't you work on your career sites? Why wouldn't you work on your job postings? Why wouldn't you do all of those things? But this is the world, and that world is filled with constraints, which forces you to be creative and focus on the stuff that matters most, right? 
Think of it this way. If you're if you play sports, let's pick a sport, let's play football or soccer, right? I have, you know, a lot of European fans uh, who listen to this, so soccer, football, football, soccer. Is your ability and ex, you know, your function of or your, your the predictive nature of who's going to be good at playing soccer purely a function of speed, foot speed? No. Does the ability to run very, very quickly and turn on a dime impact your ability to be a good player? Yes. But if you have no head for the game, if you can't kind of keep an eye out or keep a, a mental space on where all the players are and where things are moving and how things are shifting to anticipate where you and the ball and your teammates are going to be, be as fast as you want and you will still suck. I'm saying right now in the same vein, because employer brand as a concept is not one thing, you can be the world's best at that one thing that does not make you employer brander. And if you want to be good at employer brander, your job is to not over-optimize on one or two things, but to step back and be able to see the big picture of all the things impacting your brand, and then be able to have kind of the cognition and the willingness to say, oh, the problem is this really, really focused on where the problem really is, not just where it's easy to fix it, right? If the problem is your CEO is well known as someone who grabs people in the bahonkas in the boardroom, and I'm not saying it is, and I'm not saying that's always a man, but let's just pretend for a moment that it is in this particular hypothetical. If that's the case, all the great Glassdoor reviews in the world will not impact the fact that it's easily Googleable. You have to fo- find and understand the problem. Now, that doesn't mean you have to solve every problem because you can't fire the CEO. That's not your job. But you can or you must find ways to work around the things that you can't change. You have to see the big picture. That's what strategy really ultimately means. How do you achieve the objectives even when you don't have the resources to do it the easy way or the quote-unquote best practice way because the best practice is always someone's putting a price tag on that. And it's always about there's lots of things in this process that you can't control. So you either have to plan for them or work around them. That is what it means to be an employer brander. Seeing the big picture and understanding how to develop a strategy around that using the resources at your disposal. Okay? Does that make sense? Is that kind of clear? Because that's really the thing is that employer branders, all the best employer branders I know, they're good at some things. They're good at video. They're good at uh, stakeholder management. They're good at expectation setting. They're good at recruiting. They're good at writing. They're good at all sorts of things, but the fact that they're good at those things doesn't isn't what makes them a great employer brand person. It's their ability to go, I see the big picture and I see how if I make this change here, it can not only solve the problem at hand, but also has long-term lagging impact. Here's a good one. Let's say you think you have to fix your employer brand, meaning you have a good-sized staff but they're all kind of all over the place, you know, both geographically and mentally. Some people love working here. Some people are really kind of mad. Some people hate it. Um, you know, there's some issues and some managers and leaders are rough and some are great. And it's just, it's like every company. It's kind of all over the map. There's a very disparate spread of quality of experience of hire, quality of experience of work experience, all that stuff. And you say, of all the things I could be doing, and let's list a few of them, right? Make a video. Build your microsite, build your Glassdoor ratings, you know, fairy god boss, your power to fly, whatever. Let's uh, SEO enable your career site, write better copy for your career site, write write better, more engaging copy for your job postings, write better social, invent a hashtag, 
uh, inform your referral projects, increase advocacy, develop an advocacy program where you teach everybody on the staff what it means to be an advocate on social and what's expected of them and what they're not allowed to do and what will get them fired. Um, I mean, I'm just, that's top of my head stuff, right? That's just top. Those are all things that will impact your employer brand. Now, given the situation or context, and I'm not saying this is the answer, I'm just predicting a particular context that may not apply to you. But in your context, you might say, I think what I'm going to do is build a guerrilla campaign internally, reminding people why they like to work here. Now, there's a couple of steps to figuring out how to solve that problem. And that might be doing a bunch of interviews and doing some surveys and engaging some external data to understand what's going on and why people like to work here and what the sentiment from the outside is, all that good stuff. And you nail down the reason people love to work here is because they, the leadership really cares about their development and a sense of ethics, right? Just why not? Let's just go with that. Those are the two things that people care about. Okay, so you take that back in your brain and maybe you go in your little cave and you kind of needle them and whittle them and kind of play with them a bit until you come up with a tagline or a sentence even that says this is what it means or reminds people about the sense of leadership cares about your development and ethics in the same breath. It doesn't feel like a camel where you just kind of glued two ideas together. You come up with some great creative way because your skill is creative writing and your, your, your skill is copywriting or you know a copywriter who can help you figure this out. And so what you do is you start writing it on the whiteboard and you start ending your email signatures with it and you ask recruiters to end their email signatures with it and you start to seed it on job postings and the career site and maybe you make a couple of web pages specifically for the recruiters so that candidates can learn about the recruiters they're talking to. Maybe you give it in a, in a LinkedIn, and I'm literally spitballing here, in a LinkedIn banner that you ask people to drop on their LinkedIn profiles and, and, and. All these things are free. All these things are relatively straightforward. And if you've built great networks internally, it's not a huge ask. And maybe you get 100 people to play along and do the things you ask them to do. In so doing, what you're doing is you're reinforcing because let's say you got one uh, project manager and they are your ally and they love to cheerlead for you and they're helping you out. And so they stick on the signature on the email and their LinkedIn banner and a couple other small things. Maybe you make a little sticker and they stick it on their cubicle. Yay, or their laptop as they walk around the office, right? It's this reason we work here, reason I work here, right? That encapsulation idea in a clever, creative, well-written tagline or a hashtag, I don't know. And they carry it around. And they're going to be seen and talked to and engage with people who you don't see every day. Because as a project manager, they're engaging with developers and leadership and project owners and architecture and IT and blah, 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 and all sorts of other people who are involved in that project. They are going to be your advocate for that. And they're going to see that sticker. And they're going to see that email signature and go, oh, you know, that is the reason why I like to work here. That is a, a good, valid read. That, you know, that, that, that reminds me why I like work. That, 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 I love, that is why I work here. I, that is what's great about this company. And it reinforces this positive idea. And of all the people your second degree interactions influence, one or two people out of 100 decide to not apply for a new job someplace else. Was your job to impact retention? Maybe, maybe, no, not really. <laughs> was your intention to impact retention? Not directly, but being reminded that this is what they like about this company and this is what they should look as a, a way of evaluating other companies. Can they see other companies that have such deep investments by their leadership in uh, development? And do they have such high ethical standards? Because that's clearly what you care about because you work here and that's what we care about. And if you can't find another company with those things, why, why leave? 
You can quibble about the salary. You can quibble about your desk. You can quibble about your manager. Yes, those are problems. Those are solvable problems. I'm not saying you keep everybody from leaving. I'm just simply saying you can impact and move the needle by just getting a few people to go, you know what, maybe I won't go look for a job. Maybe I won't answer that recruiter call. Maybe because I'm reminded of that, I'm also going to feel a little better about working here and maybe I'm going to put that sticker on my laptop. And maybe I'm going to encourage people who I think also care about leadership you know, development and uh, ethics to apply. All this one little, all you did is you wrote a sentence for the love of all that is employer brand holy. You wrote a sentence. Heck, you may have even had someone else write the sentence for you. I.e., from a business standpoint, one of the easiest things, not really easy, I'm kidding, copywriters, please don't kill me. One of the easiest, simplest things to do in the world, and you're seeing impacts on a retention level, on an advocacy level, on a referral level, right? This is what it means to see the big picture and think strategically. Was your job didn't impact retention? Yeah, but not really. When you wrote the tagline, what you were trying to do was create a North Star that everybody went, yep, that is why I work for this company. This is why. And it creates positive sentiment because through that filter, they go, yeah, when things go wrong, instead of quibbling and complaining and whining and bitching about it, they go, yeah, that was probably the ethical solution. Or, gosh, I wish I got that raise or I wish we had invested in that project. But I see that instead we invested in deeper development, i.e. one of the two things this company cares most about. Suddenly you're reframing all of these conversations within the company. You're forcing people to evaluate and look at internally the company through your lens that you crafted. And by doing so, what you're actually doing is you're letting them inform the world that that's true. So that when you go out and you put it on your LinkedIn profile or you put it on your career site that this is the reason why we care about this company and someone sees it and they go, oh, my friend uh, Suzanne works here. I'm going to call Suzanne. And Suzanne says, yeah, that's 100% true. Look, it's even on my email signature. That person's going to go, that must be true. They must care about that. And since I care about that, I want to work there. See how that weird web and network of interactions and conversations like a ping pong ball bouncing around a room, and you never know where it's going to land, but if you can align things such, you can kind of encourage more of the right ping pong balls to go where you want them to go. That, if you can freaking believe it, is your job. And I really can't think of too many other jobs and roles that that's what success looks and sounds and feels like than that. The, the employer brand, I, I, I know I, I'm super passionate about employer brand. You, you know that about me right now, but this is why. Because you kind of have to own the company to have that level of influence and responsibility and see how the pieces kind of play out. There, there are not many roles in which this happens. And for those of us who do it because we like to leverage all these different skills. Maybe we like to make videos and copyright and develop web pages and influence stakeholders and, 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 social media and, 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 and. This is a role where we get to leverage all of our skills. So when you talk to someone coming out of, let's call it school, I guess, or coming out of entry-level job or a near-entry-level job, and you are going to hire them because they know one skill. They know social media. They know how to write. They know video. They know visuals. They know uh, how to recruit. They know how to source. They understand candidate motivations. Whatever it is, that one thing, your job is not to say, great, more of that. Your job is to say, now see the big picture so that as you do that thing you're good at and as you develop more skills, because one skill ain't going to cut it anymore these days, this is the reason why. You're developing a story. You're trying to encourage every little break to go your way 
to say, look, that person may have a really painful, problematic day and they may decide to call a recruiter. They may decide to look at LinkedIn and they may decide to look at Indeed and look for a job. But if you remind them in the right way, there's a chance that you will influence them to not do those things and they stick around and thus you have done your job. You have achieved your outcomes. You've hit your KPIs. It's a weird, weird job, right? Now, for those of you who do employer branding and do it at a pretty relatively high level, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me this doesn't sound like the thing you wish you could explain to the next person who takes your seat or the person you hire to help you achieve all your goals, right? Does that sound like Employer Brand 101? Yes, it's all about candid experience. Yes, it involves how to write a better job description and understanding a funnel and all that stuff, but that to me is very transactional because until you understand this idea that it is big picture strategic thinking and that you're creating statistical likelihoods, not certainties, that people will go in the direction you want, that when the recruiter calls, they're going to remember why they like working and they're going to be less inclined to pick up that, that call, right? That's what the job is. You're an influencer throughout the entire company. I'd love to hear back from people who do this, uh, you know, because this is a one-on-one kind of thing, it also isn't, right? And that pretty high level, it's pretty big. You know, there is all this other stuff that you can involve in. There's no conversation around social media. There's no conversation around uh, how do you write to engage a candidate? There's no kind of, we didn't get into positioning very much. We didn't get into the language of positioning. We didn't, so many different pieces we didn't dive into. For me, the 101 simply says, this is why we do and how we do what we do. If you were looking at a general contractor 101, what the reason, the reason they exist is to orchestrate all the specifics, all of the specialties, the plumber, the framer, the, the finished carpenter, the painter, the, the, the person who pours the concrete found, foundation, and they're also responsible for managing to make sure everybody's jobs integrate such that when the inspector shows up, the inspector gives them a passing rating and so they can continue to work. Their job is to complete the house project on time and on budget, if not sooner and cheaper. That's how they see their entire world. Does this slow me down? Does this cost me money? Is that uh, that contractor uh, doing good work and that contractor is getting in their way? I have to solve those problems. I have to fill in the gaps between these levels of specialization, between the plumber and the contract, uh, sorry, the plumber and the carpenter, the roofer and the the the, the brick guy, uh, you know, whatever. That's the mindset of a general contractor. If you're a developer, your mindset is how can I solve this problem with? And I only say this because someone once said it to me with the minimum amount of work. Great developers are actually pretty darn lazy. They figure out, well, if I'm gonna have to solve that problem once, I'm gonna solve it forever by building a tool or a process that solves it all for me. Great developers are lazy. Now, are they actually lazy? Do they actually not do any work? No, but they look for ways to shortcut everything they do. They never wanna do the same thing twice, so they figure out if I'm doing it once, I'm gonna do it, have it being done forever. That is their mindset. They solve problems using those kinds of mindsets. For employer brand, it's about big picture and how do I connect dots that most people don't connect? And how do I make sure that I can change one thing and see and anticipate and support and facilitate the rippling to all the other places I want to make, make an impact? That's employer brand 101. Questions, quibbles, concerns, issues, fears, faults, foibles, I don't care. Send them to me. You know where I am. At The War for Talent on Twitter and LinkedIn. You can find me on email, blah, 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 blah. As always, if you want to talk employer, oh, 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 if you're listening this far, I'm doing this thing. Uh, I'm opening up office hours. <laughs> I know. I'm insane. Um, 
it just for 15 minutes, I will answer any question you want. We can talk about anything you want. If you want to know more, it's on my LinkedIn somewhere. You know what? Just ping me. I will send you the link. Um, I, I haven't really spread this out very widely, but if you want to talk to me for 15 minutes and either get my opinion or just bounce something off me, I have dedicated office hours set up now. So I would love to see if I could help you. So with that, thanks so much for listening. That was episode 150. Let's do another, hey, let's do another 150. You good? Cool. Talk to you soon. Bye. This has been an episode of the Talent Cast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you'd like to get in touch with me, a couple of ways to do that. Obviously, there's Twitter, at The War for Talent. You can go to the podcast website at thetalentcast.com. If you'd like to stay up to date on the news of this industry and what's going on, just go to employerbrand.news and sign up for the email newsletter with lots of news and links to other places. If you just want to connect with me on LinkedIn and just say hello or let's just talk, that's linkedin.com slash in slash the war for talent. Or I bet if you just search for James Ellis, I'd pop up pretty quick. Otherwise, if you have any questions, concerns, considerations, ideas for podcasts, holler at me. Let me know what's going on. Thank you if you've shared it. Please share if you haven't. Rate us, review us. I love all that stuff. It really does help kind of keep the message going and get the message out there. Thanks again, and uh, we'll see you next week. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.